Okay, so our readings today are from Genesis 11 and Acts chapter 2, and our reader is Karen. Today's readings are Genesis 11, 1 through 9, and Acts 10, 34 to 48. They can be found on pages 11 and 10, 1014 of the Bibles next to your seats, as well as on the screen. This is God's word, Genesis 11, verses 1 through 9. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. <clears throat> but the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that they were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them, they scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Acts 10, 34 through 48. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts those from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened through the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that, <clears throat> that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in, a, in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets, <coughs> prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. The word of the Lord. I invite you to pray with me. Our gracious God, you are the God who um, made us, and you have seen every, everything about our lives, and you have seen and are seeing what we have brought into this space this morning. Um, whether it's hurts, or whether it's uh, small or big victories and celebrations of life, 
whether we look at the last year and say, wow, what a year, we have come so far from where we were a year ago, or whether we look at it and we say, boy, I wish I was where I was a year ago. Whatever the case may be, we come into this place from different kinds of experiences and places. You've seen those journeys. And the truth is, we're, we're all similar in one way. We're more of a mess than we care to admit. And your story through Jesus keeps trying to convince us that even though we're a mess, we are at the same time more loved and accepted now in Christ because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. We are more loved and accepted by you than we ever imagined. And so as you speak to us today, as we listen for your scriptures to speak and for you to use my humble voice, would we hear your gracious words, you who knows our mess and loves us anyway, may this be an interaction with you in which we feel that there are things you want to say to us and you want to send us out with. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, the question of the week was, why diversity? And we got a fun list of answers back um, that is, in a way, telling of the fact that um, you know, we'll, as a community, if we're leaning into the leadership team's vision and the city life's vision of five years from now, there will be a more diversity culturally and socioeconomically at City Life Church, and we're leaning into that future. If we do, these answers in some ways say, yeah, there will be a lot of voices in that, and there will be a journey uh, there that might not always be easy. Because someone says, yeah, the question was, why diversity? Someone says, yeah, why? We are called to be in this world, but not of it. That's a scripture passage that, that's being referenced. So why would we focus on what the world is focused on right now? That's one way to put it. Someone else says, why diversity? Because it's the reality of God's kingdom. Someone else says, it's the reality of God's creation of humanity. Um, the kingdom of God is diverse. Somebody else says, we live in a diverse city and in a diverse world. Our church body should reflect that if we're being truly inclusive and loving our neighbors. Someone else says, and this is one where you're like, you know, how tongue-in-cheek are these answers? There's three things that this person gives to the question, why diversity? Because it's sexy, because it makes you different from other churches, because you feel guilty. Just kind of let that sit. And in some ways, I look at those answers and I'm like, I want to get those people in a room together. I just want to be a fly on the wall of that conversation. There's going to be a advocacy and action, or a, a conversation and action group around our, this journey that we're on. We started a sign-up last week. It's got a whole bunch of names here, but it'll come around again, and then we'll... There's, so there's some sense of, like, a conversation is forming, and that co is, conversation is going to be very important um, embodiment of how we move forward with this. So, in a way, I said it'd be nice to get those people in the room. In a way, it's happening. It's funny that the scripture text that was read there from Acts was the wrong one. That was a mistake. It was supposed to be Acts chapter 2 where the tongues of fire go on people's heads 
and all these people come from all around the Mediterranean and they all hear their own language. They understand it. So uh, you got to see this other one in which Peter, Jesus said to Peter, on this rock I will build my church. Peter, it's the climactic section after he's had these visions and he's been convinced of his own ethnocentrism related to his spirituality and he's convinced by experience and visions and a lot of hard knocking on his head from God that yes, I am going to reach out to these other ethnic groups as well with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he brings some of his ethnic friends with him to see it happening and they all agree, yeah, this is God working, this is good. Let's baptize people who don't look like us too. So that's, I mean, that's an interesting part of the journey. I'm kind of glad it was read. And, uh, and there's also, so the, the vision of the message of Scripture is this way that the Bible fits together of the Tower of Babel, the confusing of languages because of humans using, uh, uh, shoring up things for their own human pride. And then later on, as the gospel penetrates to our world, as Jesus comes now suddenly, it's the reversal of the Tower of Babel, and languages are coming and being, people are understanding each other again because of the work God is going to do now in bringing people together. Language isn't even going to be a barrier anymore. So, you know, the human tendency is to shore up. You know, like you got, let's say, if you're like me, you got four kids, and you're, you know, let's say you got four little kids at the beach, and, you know, they're, they're scooping up the sand for their sandcastle, you know. It's like, here's mine, mine. You know, and there's a human tendency to build for yourself, to fear being scattered or to fear that, like, you know, by being scattered and by losing control of what you're shoring up and what you're building up, um, you're not going to be safe, you're not going to be secure, you're not going to have a future. And so the story of the Tower of Babel is an ancient Near Eastern version of that. It's sort of like, you know, ancient Near Eastern version of building your brand. Did you catch that in the story? Let's settle here and let's build this tower and let's make a name for ourselves. You've heard people talk maybe in today's entrepreneurial world of building your brand. How's your brand doing? Shoring up your brand. Um, LeBron James, NBA basketball player, I remember once he was asked a question about something about what's your biggest goal? And I think the person asking it, the, you know, the expectation was it was going to be like to win a lot of championships in basketball. His answer was two wor words, global icon. Wow. <laughs> There's some, some bravado, huh? Global icon. It's interesting that he used that word because that, those, or that phrase, because there's a sense in which that is how God made us. Just in those two words, global icon. The word icon is related, it's a Greek word, it's related to the Hebrew word used when mankind was created where it says we are made in God's image. So you would translate in that into Greek as icon. And we were made and we were sent to be fruitful and multiply. And given this sort of mandate of what's in us is to, to be present throughout creation, in a sense to scatter throughout creation and be icons of God. If you understand, just allow me to use that word, a sense of being like a 
picture, a residential picture, you know, kind of a Mount Rushmore in the given area where you're sent, but, but not to look like you, but to look like God, to show who God is and to, and to be like many vice administrators of God's kingdom out where he is. So, so be like God. Be, maybe sounds a little heretical or something to say this, but to be many gods out where, where you are. Icons. And one theologian has talked about how one way to understand the, the rest of the Bible is that we are cracked icons. You know, that if, if we are like a statue that's put in a foreign land to say, the good king is also the ruler here, so, you know, justice will prevail for the oppressed and everything. If we're like that statue in this creation, we're cracked, we're broken. And it brings doubt to everyone around, like, well... Is God's administration going to rule here? Are the oppressed going to be taken care of? Because all we have left is cracked icons, broken. And so as the story of Genesis and the beginning of the Bible kind of starts to play out and the icons become cracked, Adam and Eve fall, then things just get kind of skewed and poisoned and spoiled in terms of this idea of being God's icons. And one of those is shown here through the story of the Tower of Babel. It's uh, doing a really poor job of being that icon because now it's not to show God's name and God's face everywhere. It's about my brand. It's about building. Let's, let's shore up who we are and let's make a name for ourselves. So God says, you know, well, let's, Let's intervene here and continue the project. Let's scatter you by language so that you can continue to go out and potentially be my, even though you're cracked icons now, I still have that call over your life. Eventually, Jesus comes. And Jesus comes to reposition us and restore us as healed, you know, welded back together icons, once again with this calling to go out. And as he says, as Jesus says, after he dies and rises from the dead, he says, to his apostles, he says, go. So it's like he's scattering again. He's drawn together, but in, and God has visited the earth again. You know how he visited the Tower of Babel. Let's go down and visit them. He visits again, and he scatters again. But now, as he says, go and be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And that becomes a list of, that has ethnic implications for these scared first century um, peasant Jewish followers of Jesus. Did he... He didn't say Samaria, right? That was like just, we heard him wrong. We hate the Samarians. They're like our ethnic, you know, enemies. And the ends of the earth, Gentiles? Jesus must not have meant that. That's why Peter ends up needing convincing, even still farther on after Jesus has ascended. But he's sending them out. And then the, one of the first big convincing statements is Acts chapter 2 that we, that we didn't get a chance to read is... Language isn't even going to be a barrier anymore. It's a sense that God's going to be doing some stuff here, man, with this, with this vision and this direction, with where he's going. And language is not going to be a barrier. Ethnicity is not going to be a barrier. And once again, my healed and restored icons will reflect my presence and my kingdom of justice will be in place. So, multiple choice question that, that you could ask about the Bible and diversity. You know, the Bible is the Bible. Um, what does the Bible say about diversity in the church?
Option A. It's against it. And really what's needed is homogeneous churches. Okay? <laughs> Option A. You're in school again, right? There's three boxes. B. It's fine if it happens, but don't worry too much about it. Option C. It's viewed as, the Bible views it as the optimal desired future. So you just kind of sit with that question and you think about, oh, which one would I mark? Let me read some stuff from the Christian Reformed Church of North America. That is the denomination that we're connected to. I almost, I rarely talk about it because we don't kind of wear that identity on the outside, but it is, it is our church family. And isn't this interesting? Last weekend, somebody who works for our denomination came and led us in the Dance of Racial Reconciliation. It was an event that was held last weekend. And he handed out these at our Sunday morning session that we had here. We had a conversation with Rudy Gonzalez. He hands out the Christian Reformed Church in North America, God's Diverse and Unified Family. I have some copies of this. And it highlights what happened in 1996 when our leaders all got together for their yearly meeting called Synod. And they decided to, to kind of put out a mandate on what we should be like in terms of a diverse church and why. And so this study, I'll just jump right to the conclusions, this whole big biblical study and sense of who we are as a church, this is what was said. Here's the biblical background. The biblical and theological principles for the development of a racially and ethnically diverse and unified family of God. So this is the conclusion of months and months and months and months of study of the Bible, and this is what the Bible says. One, the world as God created it is rich and God-glorifying in its diversity. Two, the created world with all its diversity has its unity in one God who created it through Jesus Christ. Three, the unity and diversity of the human race and of created reality reflect the unity and diversity of the triune God, namely his oneness and threeness. Four, a fundamental effect of sin is the breakdown of community. Five, the uniting of all things in Jesus Christ is at the heart of God's eternal plan for the ages. Six, reconciliation with God and reconciliation with each other are inseparable in God's saving work. Seven, already in the Old Covenant, another way to say that is Old Testament, the first part of the Bible, the scope of God's mission is racially and ethnically diverse or inclusive. Eight, at Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the church, God gives new power to the church, power to break down walls of separation and create a community that transcends divisions of race, ethnicity, and culture. Nine, the church is God's strategic vehicle for embodying, proclaiming, and promoting the unity and diversity of the new creation. I'll read that again because I think that helps us answer the multiple choice question. The church is God's strategic vehicle for embodying, proclaiming, and promoting the unity and diversity of the new creation. Ten, God calls Christians to find their deepest identity in union with and in the service of Jesus Christ. Deepest identity, not in ethnicity, but in Christ. Obedience in matters of racial reconciliation calls us individually and corporately to continually repent, to strive for justice, and to battle with forces of evil. And 12, so the final, final part. 
Christians live and work in the hope that one day the reconciliation of all things will be fully realized. So this is what, and so then, okay, so those, that's like theological grounding. And then let me read a little bit more about what the, the, the whole group of people who is leading our denomination decides that needs to be done and said about this in our church. They, they say, to be in Christ is in principle to be reconciled as a community of racially and ethnically diverse people. And that to ignore his calling to turn this principle into experience reality, so to ignore the calling, is sinful according to God's word and the Reformed confessions. That's strong language. Starting to get a sense of how the multiple choice question would be answered. Is it... Is it the Bible's against diversity? Is the Bible fine if it happens, but don't worry about it? Or is it viewed as the optimal desired future? Maybe even stronger language than that third one. So this is what else is said by our denomination to all of us. The Synod calls the whole church to pray and work for the increased enfolding of ethnic minority persons into the Christian Reformed Church in order to reflect more fully the racial and ethnic diversity of Canada and the United States, to ensure equitable representation and meaningful participation of ethnic minority persons in leadership and other roles and influence at all levels of denominational life. And then Synod calls on us as churches to articulate the biblical vision, we just did that, for a racially and ethnically diverse and unified family of God by means of preaching, teaching, and the study of the above biblical and theological principles. Second, to evaluate their life and ministry with regard to their racial and ethnic composition, the social factors contributing to their composition, the selecting and training of their leaders, their worship style, and their ministry to congregational members and to their community in light of their sense of God's vision and call for them as congregations. That's a lot to look at, huh? And then third, to develop racially and ethnically diverse congregations by all appropriate models and strategies such as established churches come, becoming more inclusive ethnically and culturally. It gives a few other ideas. Um, de developing uh, relationships with congregations from other ethnic and cultural backgrounds. Supporting persons and programs at home or abroad that are committed to racial uh, reconciliation. And then two final like kind of like, you know, guidelines and mandates for the churches to follow. To witness publicly against racism, prejudice, and related unemployment, poverty, and injustice and in defense of all people as image bearers of God. And fifth, to call individual members to promote and establish interracial and cross-cultural relationships in their neighborhoods, workplaces, and communities. I have a couple other copies of this up front. I just kind of read the summaries. And there might even be, I don't see more in the back, but I have two other, three copies to hand out if, you're, if you want to read more. I think it's pretty clear what the church says, but I think that we as a community, as we journey forward, and hopefully those things, I, I couldn't believe that amazing list of things. Some of those have come up in our own conversations here at City Life. And it's like, yes, yes, yes. So if you, but people are in different places with this, so if you need just more time to understand, to figure out, to grapple with the biblical stuff, bring that desire. Don't be intimidated by 
you know, maybe others who say, what, you know, give the vibe of like, what? You're not on board yet? You don't get it yet? You haven't seen this, this call from Scripture? Take your time. Let's be gracious to each other. Some people will come with some defensiveness. Some people will come feeling maybe attacked. Others, just know, others will come having felt and experienced repeated trauma of consistently, constantly feeling like, you know, Jesus says this is the body of Christ, and people will say, this is felt for me every time I walk in the door or come to a small group or talk to somebody. It feels like not the body of Christ. It feels like a bucket of elbows. It's, you know what I mean? This feels like, what? This is the whole thing is geared to hold a bunch of elbows together. Everything's so elbow focused. I'm a nose. I'm a finger. I'm an ear. I'm an eyeball. And so some people bring just a lot of pain and difficulty, not only that they've experienced that here, but they might say, you know, my work, it feels like it's a bunch of elbows, you know, elbowing their way around. And, you know, maybe in my, in, in my neighborhood it feels like, so people bring a lot of pain and hurt that builds, and that's okay. Just know it's there. There's trauma, there's pain. There's others who are on some point of discovery. You know, you're saying, I'm starting to see some things. I'm starting to deal with maybe white privilege. I'm starting to deal with my anger or my wounds. People are in different places. Um, I'm going to pass around uh, this. And this is my invitation to tear off a page out of here or send an email or write on something and give it to me or give it to someone. Rip off a page. Drop off on back table or send an email to mark at sacramentocitylife.com. And there's basically two things, two categories to think about. Describe briefly my current journey with hearing God's call towards his church's diverse future. Or help us see city life through your eyes. Give a snapshot of how you've noticed city life is not there yet. So I want to use the responses that come in as a part of the ongoing dialogue next week as we do part two of this. Does that make sense? The instructions are right here in case, you know, if you're like me, you're a bad listener sometimes, and you missed what I said, the instructions. It's right here. Tear off a piece of paper, maybe from, don't tear off the front one. Those are the instructions. <laughs> <laughs> and at some point, someone pass it over to this side and get it over here. Um, Let me read one story and then we'll close. As we think about God's not about, God doesn't lead us to build our own brand. God has a, a brand he's building and it's a diverse brand. It's a multi-ethnic brand. And, we, and there's a future, and we'll talk about next week, Revelation 7, the vision of a multi-ethnic church singing in different languages and tongues that's a future that is, not, that, is, that is not possible yet completely because we are cracked icons. But God's power will enable us to take steps in this direction. Just as this church right here, and this story is called The Next Worship, Glorifying God in a Diverse World by Sandra Van Opsel. She's a Latina worship leader who's married, who married a Dutchman. So her last, name, her, her last name is now Van Opstel, but she's a Latina, and I saw her speak in person. She's full of insight and fire and passion. So she, she tells this story. Quest Church of Seattle is a multi-ethnic church of 900 
people, primarily composed of Asian American and white congregants. They are committed to soul, community, reconciliation, compassion, justice, and global presence. While their church is only about 15% Latino and African American, they are committed to walking in solidarity with one another. They have an annual faith and race class and interweave the issues of the world into their worship services. Quest regularly incorporates gospel, I'm sorry, global lament during the pastoral prayer portion of worship. They spend time naming the global realities and standing with the communities in prayer. One Sunday morning, one Sunday evening, they hosted a special event focusing on the 270 Nigerian schoolgirls kidnapped by Boko Haram terrorists in April of 2014. Quest leaders invited people to pray to a prayer space with prompts towards lament and protection. That is just a vision, just a picture, and more will come next week of what is God leading us towards on this journey of God's diverse and unified family. I invite you to pray with me. Our God of grace, may we humbly bring our real situations to this journey that we are on as a congregation. It is a journey that you have had in mind long before we started. It comes from your Bible, from your scripture, and it comes um, through prayer and through the conviction of the leaders here at City Life, and I pray that you watch over it closely, that it might be, that we might be able to have the messy conversations that need to happen, that we might be able to create space where it's very safe for different cultural expressions to happen, for people to worship you in their own languages, and for all kinds of new things to happen that we didn't foresee, new sacrifices to be made that we didn't foresee making because we are so intent on being obedient to the vision that you've given in Scripture. And most of all, may it all be motivated by the gospel, by how we have been reconciled with you, even though we were so alienated by our own behavior and we did not deserve relationship with you, you sought us and brought us home. May this vision of diversity be about spreading the reconciling love that you have for all children of God throughout the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.